0: teaches you how to build uh, these funnels for your business.
1: Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Design a Future podcast. I've got a very special guest on here today. So feel free, go ahead and introduce yourself for me.
0: Hey Oli thank you so much for having me on the show my name is Shadab I'm the CEO of a SaaS platform called Buff Ninja where we specialize in doing chatbot campaigns for lead generation and
1: follow ups. wicked wicked cool so firstly like the the main thing that I like to get to get sort of talking straight away is how how have you got today like how have you got to where you are today what what was the first sort of step that made you firstly open up the doors into this whole online space and you know what sort of was that emotional point that you you sort of thought okay I can really make this online stuff work for me now.
0: Well honestly speaking I got started in the online space when I was when I was 17 years old I was just doing my uh, even though I was completing my uh, O levels at the time and I was just coming out so for people who don't are not familiar with the curriculum levels are the equivalent of Finishing up high school and trying to get into uh, college. So during that time, what I really wanted to do was to be financially independent and figure out a way to, um, you know, make a bit of money for myself because I, I didn't come from a very upper class family and we didn't have a lot of money to spare. So things were tight in terms of finances, and I definitely wanted to do something that could, uh, you know, you know, give me some financial independence. So. And, you know, fast forward that, I started dabbing into a lot of different things. I actually got started in copywriting on um, Upwork, and that was before this entire outsourcing boom uh, took place. So eventually, uh, it kind of took, it was a, like a step-by-step process. I wouldn't say there was, there's any uh, secret formula to overnight success. It definitely took a lot of time. Uh, did a very couple of very small gigs, uh, the first paid job I had actually well, only paid me like I think ten dollars from my first article. That's how much I got. That's how much I got paid for my first article. And then you know, you know, fast forward that, you know, gain some experience, build a portfolio, keep kept hustling, kept doing my uh, you know upgrading my portfolio, and eventually we came to a position where I was yeah I was working with uh, as a consultant to a software company. And doing a lot of their a lot of the digital stuff—not just their copywriting, but also their content marketing, their email campaigns, uh, Facebook ads, and stuff like that. So, and then yeah, that's kind of how I grew from that position, and eventually became like—and always had a fascination with software, I always had a fascination with automation. And eventually, that is kind of what gave me the uh, experiences I need to um, you know, build a solution that added value to businesses of all sizes.
1: Awesome. So really just to, to really dumb it down for anyone, because a lot of this, I like to, I like to imagine that no one, you know, no one even knows about making money online at this point when they're listening. So how did you come across Upwork for first? You know, for someone that doesn't know of Upwork, a lot of people don't even know what Upwork is, right? So how did you, how did you go from, you know, Making nothing online to firstly even discovering Upwork to then you know using that to essentially get money online. How, how did that all, all come about for you?
0: Um, so honestly, I just uh, you know back then there were there weren't as many videos, tutorials, or articles on how to get started in this line of work. So it was eventually a lot of winging it and just figuring out things as went along. And I made a ton of mistakes. I I I, I did uh, a lot of I ended up unintentionally making a lot of mistakes that cost me a lot of time and money, but I guess that's just part of like, learning. So I think if someone were to start or wanted to learn to make money online today, I think the, my advice would definitely be to kind of have a balance between learning and executing. A lot of people spend all the time just like you know, going through courses or going through videos or like just joining like a thousand Facebook groups and looking for like a, like a new hack or something to get started with. So you can either take the time and learn, but at the same time also take the time to execute a little bit of what you're learning. So even if you're learning about you know, setting up your profile on Upwork or even if you're learning about setting up a WordPress website. To drive traffic to you like take the small steps it's, it's definitely very overwhelming at first but take small actionable steps and do and make sure that you're accountable to yourself for the progress that uh, you're, you should be making
1: amazing amazing so you mentioned briefly on courses um, talk to me a little bit more about your experience from um, invest investing into yourself in terms of courses mentors coaches What's your sort of journey been like um, in terms of that sort of side of things?
0: So, I think people have had a very uh, polarizing experience with coaches. People are either ecstatic about their coaches, or people are also sometimes they feel uh, scammed or cheated by online coaches as well. And the reason that is is because uh, sometimes you know this is an industry that has, that is unfortunately does have its share of like unethical people and unethical practices people who are scamming others and so on but i think that it for when you when you get on board a coaching program uh, you should definitely have a Clarity in terms of what your expectations are. A coach is not going to solve all your problems, it's not going to be your like source of infinite motivation. No, it's absolutely not that. A coach is simply a, a guided person who is supposed to walk you through step by step exactly what you need to do, and you still need to invest that time and effort in. A coach is not someone who like you know catches the fish. A coach is someone who teaches you how to fish. So that's, that's, that's definitely the clarity that you need before investing in any sort of coaching program, in my opinion. And one more thing is that, so so people are like, uh, a large portion of people are either um, going for like low ticket sized coaches who, who do not have a lot of credibility or do not have like a, like a track record of helping people. And on the other side, they're also intimidated by the, like you know the the ticket sizes some of the other coaches teach like my point is you either figure out uh, if you want to accelerate your learning and accelerate your development and figure out how to get started really quickly then that's how you want to look at it you shouldn't look at it look at it like like oh my god i'm investing ten thousand dollars into this course you should look at it oh my god what if the next six months of my life i make no progress whatsoever what's the price tag on that yeah. Right? Because because once you put that into perspective, that's when you really realize the value of like what you can take away from that coaching experience.
1: Mm, for sure. And as and like you said, if your say for example your goal was to make ten thousand pounds a month or ten thousand dollars a month, for you to invest a thousand of that to reach that target, of course it's gonna seem a whole lot different to you just blowing a thousand dollars.
0: Definitely. I, I, I feel that um, once you really start to appreciate the the time gain that you do, because you can learn these things organically, but like I said, um, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of trial and error, and you make a lot of mistakes before you get to that point. So looking back, if I had that financial capacity um, to take that in, to make that investment upon myself, I definitely would have, because at the end of the day, um, I mean the time is something you can always make more money even if you lose money you can make it back time is not something you can get back so anything and everything that adds more value to your time accelerates your learning and development you should definitely invest on it of course wicked
1: so would you mind touching on some of the the courses and and coaches that you've invested in not specifically the names but maybe you know some some of the the modules and stuff that really resonated with you
0: Cool. So I think to make money online, you need to look at the fundamental uh, fundamental components to any sort of business. I wouldn't say it's a, uh, make money online because even when you're trying to like do that, you're basically trying to build a business. So I think the, the first component to any given business is learning how to do solid research. Um, there are so, a lot of people who help you to do, uh, and the reason that is important is that uh, that kind of translates differently depending on the niche that you're in. If you're in ecom, researching niches, it's something something completely different. If you're if you're going to be like a consultant or a service provider, so pick a niche that is super important. No matter what you're doing, uh, you, you might be selling uh, equipment to like gyms you might be like offering consultancy to like uh i don't know local businesses whatever you're doing it is super important that you pick a niche and it's super important that you have you invest in a course or you invest in a coach or you invest the time you know to kind of learn the different steps of doing good quality solid research there it's absolutely imperative that you make that investment apart from that the next thing you need to do is and I feel this is not something. It's essential you do make an investment for is how to set up your like your funnel, right? So your funnel is so your funnel is basically a mechanism for you to make money for your business. So you can and funnels also. It can be a website funnel. It can just be a Facebook funnel. It can be um, like it can be a number of different things. So ideally, being able to conceptualize what a funnel, uh, what your funnel should be. Is is something that you need to lock down on. I think there are a lot of great books that discuss, that discuss this in length, especially if you go through like the Russell Brumson's books, uh, the Expert Secrets and the Secrets. I think those are excellent resources in terms of like understanding the nitty gritty of how it works. And and I, I, you know, like being an advocate of Russell Brumson is basically talking about that there are a lot of people who are very against him, who are for him, who don't like his tactics, say that they come off as like uh, salesy or cheap. My perspective is like, you know, it's a $15 book, or even if you order it from his own site, it's free. You can pay for seven bucks for shipping. So uh, it's definitely worth it to go through the material that he has because it teaches you how to build uh, these funnels for your business. That's something that's really essential as well. So once you have your niche, once you've built your funnel, the last bit of uh, essential element in your uh, online money making knowledge repertoire that you need is is how to drive traffic. Uh, That is also something that is absolutely crucial in terms of, and I think that a large component of driving traffic online is transitioning more towards how you build multiple Say sources of traffic, right, as opposed to just building one, because people are doing just Facebook ads and people are doing just YouTube ads or just AdWords or you know just you know uh, prospecting on LinkedIn. Uh, Those are all great combinations, right? And at the end of the day, it's a great mechanism for starting out. And what you see is that um, a lot of people who do make money online. That they have like this very steep curve because one they're they're making zero bucks and then suddenly they're making like you know two three hundred dollars a day and they feel great about it but the real challenge is that you won't you're not going to be happy at like a hundred dollars a day you want to scale beyond that and the challenge of when you want to scale beyond that is really about having it's being able to scale your ads across not just one platform, but multiple platforms. And also being able to uh, do your remarketing, to do your follow-ups really, really well, because it's just gonna get more and more expensive to acquire a customer for anything. Irrespective of your niche, the only constant are rising acquisition costs. It's gonna get more expensive. So you, so pay traffic, understand how it works, understand how it works in your niche and how you optimize it is also I would feel is the last critical component of like locking it down and like the last element of your knowledge base that you should be investing in
1: amazing amazing so just to just to sum that up as well like you're not selling like a product at at this moment in time you're selling your skill set
0: at this point in time like myself Mm mm-hmm so we are selling what we like to call is, uh, is a hybrid of both of these things. So we do have our own software platform that, and what the area where we help is the follow-up component of like, any campaign. So it, the way it works is that, so the reason why we are focusing on this niche is that in, is for any conversion to actually happen, a typical customer in any given niche has to go through uh, has to go through 15 to 20 touch points. So what that means is, and a lot of you know people can relate to this, is that the first time you see an ad on any platform from anyone for any product, you ignore it. The second time, you just probably you acknowledge that you saw it somewhere and then you forget it. A third time is when you actually, even actually acknowledge that it's there, that's an ad, it's something new. You maybe read the headline and that's it. So there's actually a lot of research that's done that shows that uh, it it takes a customer actually uh, 10 to 12 uh, views to actually read your content, read your material, and learn about your offer. And it it, it can take anywhere from 15 to 20 times for them to get a recommendation, be convinced, and uh, actually uh, check it out, check out your offer, and buy from you. So what we really focus on like looking at that entire 15 step process and see if how can we make it better? Uh, How can we make it cheaper? How can we make it faster? And that's where we see that, like a lot of people who are just starting out, um, irrespective of different niches, is that they do not emphasize enough on follow-ups. They do not emphasize enough on like getting the customer into the front. They spend a lot of time resources getting someone in their funnel, capturing the email address. And then once they drop out, they just kind of let that go. And what we really do is make sure that, okay, fine. Once someone's in your funnel, it's really imperative that you not just follow up with them, but follow up with them on multiple touch points. Because there's plenty of campaigns and research that has shown that if you can deliver that omni-channel, by omni-channel I mean, if you can hit them, on multiple platforms, your offers and campaigns will be converting anywhere from like 35 to 55% better. So it's really critical that you, and if you can get the right touch points, which is why we have this unique combination of Messenger, SMS, and email, where you can kind of track, okay, find this person, check, have your web page, but in order yet, so then you can, okay, fine, I'm gonna hit this person with an SMS, a day later, I'm gonna hit this person with like a voice message, voice message a day later, and then I'm gonna hit that person with like an email a day later. And so you can kind of track that entire journey and make sure that the conversions come in uh, consistently and it's a it's a predictable framework for improving conversions. Nice. And is that sort
1: of the same same process and the same structure you implement for everyone with the clients?
0: No. It definitely depends on the niche and definitely depends on the offer, but the, the framework, like I said, is a lot similar. So we deal with the clients who work with auto dealerships, and, okay. and the way they and the way they usually do it is that okay, fine. The a lead, they throw these leads into a spreadsheet or like their clients' CRM, depending on the size of the client, and they just and that's the end of the process right there. So our value to say uh, people who are trying to make money online. Uh, businesses, consultants, and agency owners is that, okay, fine, Um, how about as opposed to just being the agency that generates leads, you could also be the agency that follows up with those leads and tries to make sure they actually show up at your customer's doorstep. Um, Because a large problem in this line of work is that people, even if someone signs up a form or even if they sign up for an offer, they're more than likely to not show up. Only 10% of your of leads generated online actually show up to a business, it's a it's a very big problem actually. At the end of the day, because you might be excited about generating hundred leads and you have fantastic like ROI for the client, but at the end of the end of the day, only say one tenth of those leads show up. So your client isn't as excited about it as you are. As you, you are, are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a large component of that is a large reason why that happens is. Uh, clients don't have the time. They don't have the resources. Or they just they don't they don't care enough to follow up with the leads that you get for them. And, and that's where like a solution like this uh, really helps agency owners uh, add more value to their to their service and to the effectiveness of the campaigns that they run. And it's something that so it's, that's something from a local business perspective, but it can easily be translated to uh, any business. Where the follow-ups are just critical. Like whether you're selling uh, something on Amazon or whether you're selling like a coaching program, it's just super, super important. And it's it's something that it's not so sexy, but which is why it doesn't get as much attention, but it's definitely something that needs a lot of, uh, you know, care and testing to get it right. Nice.
1: Wicked. So, so with that being said, talk about, talk to me a little bit more about like your early experiences and maybe some of your, Um, you know your failures if you like where you have for example generated a business let's say 100 leads and you know they don't actually do anything with them or you've got them coming to you saying look you've got us 100 leads but we've got nothing out of it how do you sort of how do you take that from a negative to a positive and how have you have you put systems in place to 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 really really make that a success
0: oh definitely so One of the most exciting projects that we've done in the last couple of years was with uh, a local business that um, imports and assembles uh, commercial vehicles. So they basically bring in trucks, they bring in pickups, they bring in lorries and stuff like that. And so it's naturally a very high ticket size item. And they were the first company of this nature to uh, actually market it online. So we were very excited because it seems like a unique opportunity to highlight our our skills and to show that we can genuinely generate uh qualified leads so we did this three-month campaign and it was a, it was very successful in, because we were uh, convinced of the quality of the leads that we were generating but what happened was at the end of it we had a three-month contract and the end of the contract um, we we went in and we, we were like expecting a renewal except the team the client team on the side they were like yeah you just gave us a spreadsheet we didn't really get the roi uh we were expecting sales and stuff and at the end of the day they were they were like not that and we were kind of flabbergasted because we had we it's like we were hit by a bus right (laughs) so because there was a complete mismatch on what was happening we were on two completely different pages so, and although we had everything set up, we had an email going out every time a lead was coming in, they were notified of that, uh, we followed up with them, but at the end of the day, they just simply did not, you know, they did not follow up with the, with the leads that we generated. Mm-hmm. So, through like a bunch of hardcore negotiation, we basically negotiated another uh, three month contract, except during this time, we secured an additional budget to actually follow up With the leads that we generated themselves. So what we realized is that uh, like our client was set up to handle leads or customers that showed up to their showrooms, right? And actually talked to a salesperson. They were not used to the entire concept of like calling someone, asking them to come over to the showroom and handle that entire entire that step of the of their customer journey. And so we took responsibility for that. So we just designed a couple of additional resources to make sure, and we just it just took at max two phone calls. An additional, on average, it took us one to two phone calls to just get someone. Uh, you know, we, we phone calls to basically uh, tell them about what we were doing and make sure that they knew the address and make sure that they would that they would show up. And that added like personal value of you know a business or a brand reaching out to your phone call and making sure that like you knew where their store was it just had an immediate, like, human contact. They were no longer just, like, a business or a Facebook page. It was actually a very a human connection as far as the customers were concerned. So, so what we followed during that time was we just did two calls. We booked the appointment, and we did follow-ups to make sure that person showed up and that the person had all the information and was qualified uh, for the for the. For what we were selling, and when the per, when, and and ultimately that's what happened. So we generated during the next three months, we generated about uh, 600 or something leads out of which we managed to make sure that 480 of them actually showed up at the store, right? So it was an incredibly successful campaign. Uh, and at the end of the day, three months later, the clients were like, "Okay, fine, we were less. We were doing wrong. Um, it's definitely this is definitely much better for us because." Uh, alternatively they would have to run like press ads or they would have to do this like all of local local advertising and local activations yep. to make sure that clients uh, to make sure that people actually came into the store but this was like a, it was scalable it was automated and it just worked uh, and that's ultimately something that we that was very that was a successful case study for for both of us
1: amazing amazing cool so Talk to me, just because obviously we've sp- spoken a lot about automations and stuff like that, so talk to me a little bit more about um, apps and softwares that you use on a daily basis um, that maybe some people wouldn't know about.
0: Okay. Um, I think that the biggest... Uh, I use ClickFunnels. I use ClickFunnels for, uh, for my own campaigns. I use it a lot. I also use something called... Here, yeah, I just got Exact name, if it's quite a fun mouthful. So, one second. So, I also use a software tool called LSIkeywords.com. So, it's very useful for understanding keyword volume. And keyword volume is actually pretty essential to understanding the demand for an issue. more people are researching about it, more people are, uh, more people are likely to buy it. So mm-hmm. that's definitely also one of the tools that I use. Apart from that, for, for, for my headlines, I also use another tool called, it's, it's been published by someone called a Content Analyzer. So they have a free headline analyzing tool that gives you, uh, that, that looks at your headline and tells you whether or not you should and how to optimize your headlines because like 80% of people will just read your headline and that's it; they won't actually read through the text. So uh, for my own promotions, for my own marketing, that is something that I use quite a lot. So yeah, I mean, apart from that, uh, different tools like Zapier uh, was also pretty critical to the to to my everyday workflow. At the end of the day. When you want to do a basic campaign, right, the reality is you don't need a ton of tools. You just need to do the basics extremely well. And and that's it.
1: Amazing, amazing. So obviously you talk a lot about Facebook ads and you're using Facebook ads on like a daily basis for yourself and your clients. Um, how did you sort of stumble across Facebook ads, um, running them yourself? And like what you said about scaling, how have you... I'm guessing you know you've you've brought on other contractors or you've built you know you've built teams in certain places. So talk to me a little bit more about how you learned the Facebook ad side of things and how you then sort of systemized that process within the business.
0: Uh, Facebook ads are, honestly speaking, it's becoming extremely uh, challenging, not because of like you know. Running a Facebook ads was simply because of this entire like regulatory and policy aspect to uh, running ads. It's suddenly not okay to run ads for everything. You have to be very very precise to use about your wording, about your image, about your visuals. Because if anything is even slightly off, it's going to get rejected or your ad account is getting banned. So it is just going to just becoming like a very, very uh, huge problem, not just for me, but for like anyone who runs ads. Um, ad accounts are getting banned left, right and center. So it kind of puts a lot of pressure on agencies and also on us, so, and which is a, a really big problem towards like the, the beginning of this year, but things kind of uh, stabilize itself. So for running teams, it's, it's a, what so what we do when running teams uh, is that we kind of onboard our clients in a way that makes sure that our media buyers have the exact data they need to run really effective campaigns. And it's very, very important that media buyers have access to the data. Otherwise, we're just throwing spaghetti on a wall and hope something sticks. And people waste a lot of money doing that. When you have access to the entire to that like uh, to up to that entire data point, so. One of the one example is that like eighty percent of clients that we onboard don't have pixels installed on the website, so that is like a, a huge problem, especially if you are running Facebook ads through that funnel. So what we do is we make sure that the pixels are installed. We actually don't use Facebook pixels. We use something called Google Tag Manager. So it's uh, it's basically a tool by Google where you just install one script uh, on your website and then using Google Tag Manager, you can monitor everything else. So using Google Tag Manager, you can install your Facebook Pixel, your Google AdWords Pixel, any other tracking mechanism or reporting tool that you want to use. And it it's, it's very streamlined because that way you don't have to go to your client's developers every time you want to install something new. You just have the Google Tag Manager and use that to like monitor and measure um, everything else. So, so that's something that has really helped us on that side. But At the end of the day, it's really about making sure your media buyers have access to all that information. And based on top of that, we kind of have a a reporting dashboard that is suited for the client, suited for the metrics that the client wants to see. Because at the, so when, when you have to renew your contract or when you want to push a new campaign, what clients really want is proof of what you've done before. So if you just have like a simple dashboard with metrics that they have they themselves have signed up on, it really helps you get that uh, additional budget, and another contract, another campaign. Um, that's really what works well for us.
1: Okay, nice, wicked. So obviously you, you touched on media buyers. Um... What was your process in actually onboarding the media buyers as well from going like a, like a single person, obviously just running the ads to actually having someone come in? And what was that like sort of letting go of, of that responsibility, if you like, as well? It's,
0: it's, it was not easy. Uh, media buying is something that we have not. We've, in uh, six years of running an agency, we have fully delegated our media buying process to only two people. And that's it. We have never hired an external buyer to come in and run our ads. It's something we've tried, obviously, before, but it's something that just doesn't work because media buying is a lot like, it's a, it's a lot like, you know, it's an art. It's it's, it's an art. It's most more art than science. And sometimes it, if teams are not aligned in terms of how they set up their campaigns, do their targeting, how they pace their campaigns, how they scale their campaigns, it becomes very difficult for, like, uh, for our clients to get, Uh, to reach their desired outcome. So it was always about bringing in people at the junior level. And then uh, initially it would be just uh, my partner and I who would give them the hands-on experience of like how we set things up, uh, kind of mentoring them, guiding them. And, you know, over the last, like I said, six, seven years, we probably mentored like 25, 30 people. And of that currently we just have two who who are still with us. So it's a very rigorous process. And the thing about media buying is that it's kind of, when you know your campaign's on, you're kind of like a stockbroker who has to check their portfolio prices every minute. So a media buyer is a lot like, you know, having, to, you know, having their Facebook ad manager app on the phone and then logging in and then like, refreshing and making sure that you know, nothing, everything is in place. Uh, the cost per clicks are within range. Nothing is you know going haywire, and the campaign is on schedule. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very time time intensive process. It's definitely not something that at least we have not been able to uh, say I don't I don't know like, delegate it completely in the hands off way.
1: So sorry, did you mention that you you have people in house doing that?
0: Yeah. Okay. So like I said, so the agency portion of our business have – as our uh, like you know media buyers and stuff like that, uh, but our software side of the business we also work. We do some of it in house. We also outsource a lot of it um, to to external third parties. Nice, cool, wicked. So
1: um, obviously we touched on books a little bit. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience with books. Are you reading a lot now? Or um, you know I, I speak to some people, see entrepreneurs, and they say, you know, then then they don't read books or they've they've got all of these books but they don't actually read any of them. They read, you know, let's say a couple of pages and then they get straight back into work. So Talk to me a little bit more about your, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your um, sort of like morning routine as well and does that tie into anything with it?
0: So the biggest and I'm not, I won't, gonna, I won't be saying that I'm one of those people who reads like a ton of books a year because definitely not. I think I fall more into the category of people who has a lot of books but haven't actually gone through that and that's like something I'm, I'm consciously working to change and I think and the, the important part of that is that you have like a diverse set of books as opposed to just having just business books because that gets really monotonous and boring and kind of limits your perspective so at any given point in time I try to make sure that I have uh, like a I have, so there are three types of content that I consume I consume business content I consume like historical, biographical content or like content that's on a completely different subject matter. And then I also consume like a lot of, say, yes. uh, you could say that motivational content or about content about people that, you know, who are, who, who I look up to or who inspire me and stuff like that. So, so at any given point, right now, I just finished reading A Bad Blood, uh, which is a book on Theranos, which was like a Silicon Valley startup a couple of years back that did this whole like, investment scam and like, made a lot of people lose a lot of money. So that was like, so while I was reading that book, uh, I was also uh, rigorously going through uh, the Copywriting Secrets by Jim Edwards, which, which is basically like a copywriting audiobook. book. So, and at the same time, I was also going through like this uh, documentary series on physics. Right? So what I've what I've seen is that if I try to like make some so and you know once I finish that it's going to be a different set. The next book that I'm going to be reading is a book about, on psychology and uh, psychoanalysis by Jim, uh, Jim. I actually forgot the name, but it's going to be it's a book on psychoanalysis and then the next audiobook book I'm going to be reading is probably going to be on something different than business and maybe the next uh, podcast I'll be subscribing to is going to be on, on business or financial investing or like any of these in topics really. So this, I just mix and match with the format of content and then I alternate between what I'm consuming and that this way I feel, I feel myself more engaged and more uh, open to the content matter of whatever I'm you know, going through and And that helps and that helps build that discipline to actually um you know go through the content and keep investing in yourself continuously sure wicked
1: and um talk to me a little bit more about your morning routine or do you you have a morning
0: (laughs) uh so my morning routine is a lot i I get up and i try to meditate for like 10 or 15 minutes i I guess that is the only notable thing that i do in my morning routine uh, I usually try to work out at night. I usually try to go swimming at night, so all my exercise really the tasks are actually more towards the, the towards the end of the day as opposed to the beginning so, so yeah I think I just try to squeeze in ten fifteen minutes to meditate to get my you know uh, to my to get my day planned out and make sure that uh, there's I'm prepared for everything that I'm supposed to be doing.
1: okay, wicked cool so we so we touched briefly on you know like the apps and software that you use. Is there any apps and software that you use in terms of like your daily to dos, or you know, keeping yourself motivated throughout the day as well? Um, in terms of like you know, Trello, anything like that?
0: Uh no, you out for really, cool, like, I mean, kind of pen and paper. I like for me, I've I tested a bunch of different things, everything from like Evernote to Apple Notes to like Dropbox, Dropbox paper is definitely something that I'm starting to like a lot more. Uh, Dropbox, so what's really different about Dropbox paper is that you can have one single document where you can embed like a calendar view, you can embed uh, like a table view, you can add to-dos, you can assign stuff. So that makes it really easy. So even if you're like making a to-do list, and suddenly you feel like, okay, I need like a date wise visualization of exactly how this thing's gonna work. You can yeah. just do that in one single document as opposed to like do embedding or like doing links and all, all the stuff like Dropbox papers definitely. I have it on my phone, I have it on my computer. It's definitely a lot more convenient uh, than the other apps that I've used so far. And this is where I maintain most of my to-do lists as well.
1: Wicked, wicked, cool. Right, wow, wicked man. Well, it's been nice to to hear, obviously, where you've where you've uh, where you've come from. Um, but I'd love to hear about what your goals are for. Obviously, we're closing into the end of the year. Um, talk to me a little bit about your goals for maybe the next year.
0: So, uh, on the software side of things, what we've, that's basically what I'm focusing on right now. Uh-huh. Uh, and my philosophy is personally as to like you know, if you have ten hours to get something done. Spend the first nine and a half hours actually planning everything, and then this half hour and executing to make sure you meet your slice. So the last couple of months, the last couple of months has been mostly about like getting a minimum viable product, getting feedback on it, improving it, uh, finding finding partners and affiliates to work with. Uh, and then right now, our our focus right now is just getting our entire uh, funnel sorted out so that we have an incoming stream of people who we would like to work with, who would like to work with us. And they're just from, so the next year, my real focus is to make sure that we are doing uh, six figures per month in the first quarter. And uh, and right now, my focus is just making sure that the funnel is sorted out, that it's being tested, that, it's being, that we have everything in place to make sure that, to measure everything, right? So the analytics, to so the me- uh, and the critical metrics that we need to hit uh we're just making sure implementing all of that uh finishing off all the like you know meeting with stuff with the product the bugs and uh, making sure that we are in a position to be making six figures a month uh, by the end of next quarter nice
1: nice and obviously you speak about um, building your funnels and stuff like like that um for, the, for that service, are you doing any sort of outreach or is that mainly focusing on like inbound stuff?
0: Uh, it's a combination of both, to be honest. Uh, I would say that once we have our funnel set up, we are focusing primarily on YouTube ads for the next quarter to get our leads. And then on the outreach stuff, we are also looking at uh, mostly on LinkedIn is where we've got like a ton of good, good responses. Uh, so it's mostly, we've tried like a ton of stuff. We've tried... Uh, which is what I mean by like testing for nine and a half hours and executing in the final 30 minutes. Uh, So we've tested everything from Quora. We've tried everything from, you know, know, building Facebook groups and stuff like that. And ultimately what I've seen is that those are good options if you are starting out, if you have the time to invest. But ultimately if you want to like scale, what you need to do is just uh, focus on one or two things that you know will work extremely well and this you know going all in on, on those two channels
1: nice and yeah but just because you just touched on facebook groups talk to me a little bit about your experience with facebook groups and of networking as well because obviously I've, i'm pretty sure i found yourself in a, in a facebook group right
0: yeah yeah i mean definitely it's a, it's a, it's an excellent opportunity for people to kind of network to meet like minded of people and even to like uh, you know get started on their business. And it's even to scale, whether you're looking to build a community, or whether you're just looking to offer support. Uh, but I think that Facebook groups are going through that, like, overly saturated phase where people are looking more at, uh, I don't know, just pitching a product and uh, not offering genuine value. Standing out in the clutter is, is definitely difficult, but not impossible. I think it's, it's mostly about uh, if, if I were to get a ton of value from Facebook groups, I would basically look at what, for example, Neil Patel, or for example, what Brian Dean, they do with their blog posts. I would just look at how they add value. Uh, they have a formula for adding value to content, for figuring out ways to build valuable content, and then just have that content and have a calendar where I'm Publishing that stuff on the groups that I care about, where I'm connecting with people who are giving me feedback or who are interesting in whatever I'm talking about, and then making sure that I'm following up with whatever it is and you know getting them on board and uh, seeing if they want to if they want to talk or if they want to hear more about what I'm offering. More often than not, people are very open-minded and people, if you can crack the problem, uh, they a problem that they're facing well, they're definitely going to uh, be interested. And one advice that I think has really helped me out is that every time you message someone and you do not know them, you're basically just cold DMing them, do not waste your first couple of words saying, hi, hello, how are you? Because you know when you're on Messenger and the first bit of text, that's all they see. They're probably not going to open it. So don't waste it on hi, hello, how are you? Get right to the point. More often than not, that is what's going. That's what's going to get people to get back to you. So, so you're
1: saying, uh, like, pitch in the first message essentially.
0: I'm saying pitch in the first message. You don't need to go like, bye, bye, bye. You yeah. could be more like, uh, do you have this problem, or do you are you facing this problem, or is it something you would be interested in. Do something that's going to qualify them, give them the idea. because everyone in the Facebook group is similar to you. What what you're doing, they probably know what you're trying to do. So you know, just try to add value from the get-go by do some prospecting right there. Don't be like sell, buy, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. Mm-hmm. Try to have that you know prospect that are like, um, do you have this problem? Is something that I can help with? I've helped 20 other people with this solution. Is this something maybe you would be interested in hearing more about? it just starts from
1: there sure yeah and i think that approach is a lot different to yeah like you said you get because i get message all the time where it's literally just the first message and it's like yeah this is what we're having are you interested and it's just like no because you haven't you haven't given any value if you like so yeah definitely value first Without even thinking about selling your products, that's what you've got to do. On my on my experience, anyway.
0: Yeah. So just that uh, you know, if you're investing in these organic channels, you need to put in the time, You're not going to get results from day one. It's just the it's just the way it works. Oh, for sure.
1: Cool. So uh, with, with that being said, let's obviously wrap this up. Um, I'd love to I'd love to get your advice for someone that's literally clicked on this video. Has you know made nothing online? They have no idea. They've got maybe a little skill set. Maybe it's it's a creative side. It's a if a copyright inside. What would your be? What would be your steps or you know your advice for someone to jump on the computer from now? Press pause on this video and you know go and essentially try and start something online.
0: Um, my first advice would be to decide exactly what you're what you're looking to get if you're looking to make uh, hundred thousand dollars from doing something online in the next year then your your steps have is different from as opposed to someone who's just who's just dabbing in it in their in their free time so sure. you need to have that level of self-awareness what are you in it for are you just looking to make money are you just looking to do something because you're bored are you uh, looking to do this full time in like a six months? It's something that you need to have absolute clarity on, and I even think it's worth it to have, like, to talk to some, to reach out to your mentors. I think that's the number one thing I should do is that reach out to people who you can have, like, an honest conversation with about where you are and what advice they get you, because... You know, they have more advice, they have more knowledge and experience than you do. So just reach out to someone who is willing to have a conversation with you and explain your situation to them and get some clarity from that conversation before doing anything else. Like just don't even bother because if you don't have the self-awareness, what's going to end up happening is that, okay, fine, you might want to be fully dependent on your online income in the next three months, but you'll be moving at a pace as if it's okay to just make like a couple of hundred dollars a day, so that you can' not have you can have uh, champagne ambition and beer execution right you need to you need to make sure that these two things are aligned. All right, lovely cool so
1: so with that being said, you know what where would you where would you go? So you talk about click funnels, but you know you've got click funnels, you've got lead pages, you've got all of these different softwares and so many different things on a spectrum. Um, yeah, you were starting from scratch. Where would you be? Where would you be heading, knowing what you know now?
0: I would obviously hit up my network on Facebook and LinkedIn and just post an update and check and see if anyone has any experience like working with ClickFunnels or working with lead pages or making money online or affiliate marketing or niche marketing or doing digital marketing, mm-hmm. anything that whatever I'm interested, I would just hit up and post an update on my Facebook and LinkedIn. Hey, I'm interested in X. Uh, is there anyone in the network who can help me out?
1: Sorry, but this is obviously with you already having these existing friends or existing connections, right? So would you say if someone didn't have that sort of connection, is it firstly, you know, joining these Facebook groups, looking at what other people are doing, commenting Mm -hmm. on what other people are doing, building those relationships organically?
0: Oh yeah, definitely, I mean, that's, so if you don't have anyone in that, in in your following in the first place, definitely you have to find, them so you can go to local groups you can go to local meetups you can connect with say you know your local uh facebook group in your area let's find people and you know people are more than willing to like you know reach out and help out right people will be willing to help you out so definitely that's going to be what you should be doing nice wicked perfect
1: well we're signing off that episode there thank you very much for everyone listening and hopefully we'll catch up uh, maybe next year and see hopefully if we're on our way to hitting all those goals we were speaking about and yeah we'll see you in the next episode
0: all right Nelly, thanks for having me